regardless of what the rumors say, this is absolutely my first take at the introduction and definitely not any other than the first take because I thought this one would be great if it was perfect. And it is. And this podcast is objectively perfect in every single way. Welcome to The Major Lift, and today we have Ryan Van Puderoyen. So I've been wanting to get Ryan on this show uh, as soon as I conceived the idea. He's one of these guys that I'd heard heaps about. A uh, special shout out to Chris Edrich, who actually sort of facilitated this whole um, idea and, and concept for me to reach out to Ryan. And so after a little bit of fiddling around, we finally got Ryan on the show, and I had an amazing chat with Ryan, actually. So I, I'm very, very grateful that he could take some time out of his increasingly more busy schedule and have a chat. For those of you who aren't entirely familiar with Ryan's work, you would know him best from the Devon Townsend band and project. The other thing that Ryan excels in is his motivational seminars and just generally good ethics he has to share with people. Uh, we do get into that in the show, actually. We, we cover some tour diet stuff and we talk about recovering from um, a, a pretty nasty setback in your life that might spiral out of control. You might be listening to this, wanting to know how other people got themselves out of their situations, uh, for example, body transformations and things like that. And I think you might get a lot out of hearing someone as accomplished as Ryan to share some really familiar sentiments with anyone who can kind of resonate with that big injury. Uh, I, for one, can very much relate to that. I'm um, I'm bent over, just generally bent over. I don't even have a good metaphor for it. So I hope you're all, uh, you got something nice to do while you're listening to this. Might be going for a drive, might be walking the dogs, might be driving the dogs and walking the car. I don't know. See that? That was my little joke before the show starts. But enough of my ramblings. I want you to enjoy my chat with Ryan Van Pudderen. I'm doing awesome, man. Enjoying the summer weather here in Vancouver, BC, Canada. It's, all, it's gorgeous here. For the, uh, for the Australian listeners, what does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. Um, that would mean 33 degrees Celsius. <laughs> it would mean it's stinking hot. <laughs> it's kind of got a bit of a muggy feel to it. And uh, you get sunburned real quick. Not as fast as in Australia, though. I know that firsthand. Yeah, we're very proud of that. We sort of wear that one on our very sunburnt uh, singlet tans. Yeah. <laughs> so it's sort of one of those things where when, when I start getting into July, the middle of our, of our winter, I start counting down to summer, but it's 24 degrees outside at the moment. So I'm, I'm already swimming as far as I can tell. Speaking of which, are you sort of a, a water sports summer person? Yeah, I am. I'm all about swimming. It's like I love going. I'm I'm more of a freshwater guy, though. It's like uh, for me, I'll find some of the nicest lakes in BC, and you know, and I, I'll drive there. I'll drive four or five hours if I got here, and we'll just camp out for the day and go swimming. Bring our dogs with us. It's awesome. And uh, yeah, I, I love it. You know, I used to water ski and all that kind of stuff, right? You know, just uh, paddle boards, all that kind of stuff. It's awesome. I, I don't mind the ocean. Um, but I'm more of a freshwater swimmer, but, uh, you know, we'll go to Mexico every year on vacation, my wife and I, and, uh, you can't get us out of the ocean there either, you know, with the beautiful turquoise water and all that stuff. So I just, I love the sun. I love the beach. I love water, you know, all that stuff. 
getting that getting that washed up uh i've been swimming all day feeling and then you just asleep by six o'clock ready for that sort of early morning next morning that's exactly it man yeah it, it I, actually, I get my paddleboard tomorrow i my my first paddleboard nice oh that's incredible exercise you know and it's it's good for uh stability your balance all that stuff you know it's it's uh and like i said it's a good workout but at the same time it's a lot of fun you know the so, handstands going yeah right i'm not there man i'm just like balancing and stuff mind you i'd be a little more scared to i'm always kind of thinking twice about my experiences when i go to australia and i go swimming there uh, i'll tell you i'll tell you a very quick story man okay devon townsend project we're on tour in australia in 2012 when Soundwave was still around and uh Soundwave ended in perth that year i think it always ended in perth and um Anyways, we're at Scarborough Beach, okay, and uh, we go down to the beach, and we're hanging with uh, with uh, our buddies in the band Carnival, and uh, great band, great dudes, and uh, we're hanging at the beach, and we're in there, we're like, oh, we're going to go hit the waves, you know, and go, you know, body surf and all that, they're like, oh, yeah, go have fun, man, knock yourselves out, kind of thing, Not like, they don't come in the water with us, and uh so we're sitting there, we're in there for like 45 minutes, right? And then we get out there and and, and I'm like, guys don't want to go, it's so, so hot out here. And he's like, no, 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 we're good. And I'm like, there's not like sharks or anything like that, you know, <laughs> swimming around there because it's obviously it's a public beach. <laughs> so he's like, oh, hell yeah, there's a lot of sharks. <laughs> I'm like, what? You're letting us swim in this? And not a word of a lie. We're in the airport the next day, about to fly home. That was our last day there. And there's this helicopter flying over top of the hotel we stayed at. Hey, I was like looking at TV. I'm like, guys, that's the rendezvous. That's the hotel we always stay at. And they're like, oh, no way. And they're flying over Scarborough Beach and then over the water. And you see dozens upon dozens of these little specks in the water. You got to remember they're flying up in the air. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And they said, Scarborough Beach infested with bull sharks. <laughs> and we're just like, it was yesterday. And I guarantee you, we were swimming with them. I didn't even know it, right? So I was like, ever since I, and I've been to Australia a few times since that encounter. And I'm just like, I ain't never been in that water again. <laughs> it's, it's Shark Week here in Canada. I don't know if it's, if that's a worldwide thing or whatever, but they just played shark shows all, all the time, right? And I've always been interested in sharks. But man, once I found out bull sharks could even swim in freshwater up rivers and they found them like 800 miles in inland and shit, I'm like, forget that shit, man. <laughs> you know, Carnival may have just been trying to sort of tick you off the uh, festival circuit to get better shows. Yeah, right? Well, or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, um, so, so right near where I live, we have, um, we have the possibility of Irukandji jellyfish. Uh, oh, wow. being in the oh yeah so i was actually in a band called irukandji back in the day and we decided to use the uh the testimonials of people who've been stung as our pr yeah so it was just like it was the worst and most horrific event of my life bam that's how we promoted the next show ah that's so awesome yeah that's how you got you got to capitalize on the terrible things that can happen to you i think that's why we we're, we're so um cheeky as a people it's like well you might die yeah. tomorrow yeah, no, I, I love it. I think that's brilliant, brilliant. 
Did you um? So did you go swimming on the east side of of Australia as well, or just Perth? Yeah, no, I went swimming in Brizzy and and uh, or not really Brizzy, but the the Gold Coast there. We went over there for a little bit, and uh, you know, I hit the waters in uh, Bondi Beach. You know, mm. uh, same. I forget the name of the beach. Uh, there was another one we went to in Melbourne, uh, Adelaide. I uh, went there, my buddy, uh, Mark Randall, who's with Thump Music, he brings in a bunch of clinics and stuff. He oh, brought he did, me uh, in. Paul Gilbert. Mark Pardon Randall. me? I know, yeah, he yeah. did the Paul Gilbert one, yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyways, I stayed with them for about a week. And uh, we, uh, you know, he took me to the beaches that you drive out, you know, two or three hours away. They're just deserted and just like the most beautiful beaches and, you know, went swimming there and, yeah, it's, it's really cool, man. It's like I, I went swimming all over Australia. Actually, I wanted to do the great white shark cage diving. I had it set up a couple times, but I just I couldn't go through with it because the schedules were too tight. You, uh, know? Yeah, so, you get one day either side of a show or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we had a day off, but uh, all the flights were booked. And uh, I would have had to drive there from Adelaide, which was like an eight, nine hour drive each way. And it just it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's still on the bucket list. It'll still happen. But yeah, you know, it's like Australia. I, I also find lots of people are really into health and fitness over there. Every time I go there, it's like I go to uh, Botanical Gardens in Brisbane. And there's that path that right by the river there it goes by the bridge. And it's just people jogging all the time, you know, doing push-ups or sit-ups on the grass and working out. You know, it's like reminding me a lot of uh, Vancouver. It was really cool. So, uh, I, I love Australia, man. It's like, I, I can't wait to get back there. It's like, I, I really, I love visiting there. And Brisbane, to be honest, is one of my favorite places. Um, and I really love, I think Perth is my overall favorite. I just, there's something about it that I just love so much. It's really chill and relaxed, but you know, then Melbourne has great places, Sydney, you know? Yeah. There's, there's definitely a, um, a sort of, I think, I think actually as the prog scene has sort of evolved, um, around the world over the last 20 or so years, there's, there's been that aspect of Australian um, talent that are coming to the forefront as far as just people who've been isolated here for a long time, then the internet happened, and then we've gone, oh, yeah, we can, we can do that, but we just can't tour ever. Yeah, it's right. It's going to happen. Yeah. Did you no, drive it's, it's, hard. Like... It's, it's hard for you guys to, to... It's such a big country, and even if you're an Australian band, like I said, our buddies in Carnival, they just say it's so hard for them to, to you know, get on a tour in the States. It, it costs so much money to do or, or even go to Europe, you know, and they got great followings happening in both places. But, you know, it's it's just it's a difficult thing unless you're ACDC, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah, totally. And yeah. and and that's one of those things when, when you do get to Europe, we're blown mm-hmm. away by the the difference of hospitality, not to say that the Australian hospitality is ever bad, but the European hospitality is so different that it's, it's of course, of course you could make a living out of that. It's, it seems so sustainable. You need to do your yeah. laundry while you're here. Off you go. You did a, you would have done a Z7 in Pratelm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, here's the whole facility. Now, you know, make yourself at home <laughs> and you go, I will make myself at home. All my stuff stinks and I will wash all my trash. Well, that's the thing. Every every time we we pulled up there, I played that gig probably five seven times. And uh, there's a lineup a lineup uh, for the washer and dryer every single time, <laughs> you know. And that thing, 
it's just going constantly the whole time from the the morning that the bus shows up till right before bus call that washer and dryer is going and the (laughs) the catering upstairs the catering that they have is always incredible there you know and it's a great great venue big stage it's it's always fun to play that one that one shocked the absolute shit out of me that one when I'd never played a stage like that before I'm quite new to these sort of European venues and we got on a show with Opeth and yeah and that was of course amazing but walking out onto that stage and going oh this is this seems more important and it carried with it a sort of a responsibility to play better i'm sure you've had that at um what was the show that recently you put a live video out from um was that poland no it wasn't poland what the plovdiv show yes oh that seemed like such an incredible venue to look out at yeah that was it's funny it was a lot smaller than i thought it was gonna I thought it was going to be a lot bigger and like it holds 4,000 people or something, but you know, we, we've done Royal Albert Hall, which looked way bigger. We've, we've done uh, Hammersmith Apollo. And then, you know, uh, when you do the summer festivals and stuff like summer breeze, when there's 80,000 people in front of you and you're, you're playing on main stage, it's like, yeah, it, it can, you can feel disjointed from, from the crowd sometimes, right. With, venues that big but you know with Plovdiv it was really interesting because we're playing with this orchestra behind us and there's cameras everywhere because it's being shot for the blu-ray that's now released and uh the crowd was like it 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 was weird it's a coliseum setup an old ancient roman coliseum but like literally it's like a wall of people it's what it was such a steep incline to to the top that it was weird. You'd look up and there, there were like people literally looking right down at you. And you, the stage is really close to the front row in a, in a way. And yeah, it was, it was a really bizarre setup, but it was more, a very cool experience. It's really hard to describe, but um, you'll obviously see what I mean when you, you look at the, the Blu-ray. You know, there's clips online now and stuff. And uh, it was a really cool, uh, surreal experience for sure. What, what's it like with... Um... As you've sort of progressed through your fairly substantial career, I mean, on paper, it just looks so awesome. All, all those shows and all those places just over and over. What, what, yeah. is, what is the um, type of focus that you, you have 20 minutes before you, you walk on stage? What's going through your head? Um, I'm, always, I'm always visualizing the great show. I'm visualizing going up there. And the thing is, I think this is really important for people to know is, visualize a good show notice i'm not using the word perfect you know like if you are always striving for for perfection you're going to disappoint yourself because it'll never happen and and i'm not being negative i'm a very positive person as people know it's like um you you strive for a good show and i visualize that every time before I, i go on stage and nine times out of ten i knock those shows out of the park and there's been times at massive festivals I've been playing where I have a little mess up. Most times people don't even catch it, but I know it, you know, and it, instead of beating yourself up over it or whatever, I go, oh, okay, why did I do that? What did I do wrong there? How can I make myself better and learn from this mistake? And I do exactly that. So for me, getting in the zone 20 minutes before the show, it's not worrying about if I'm going to mess up that new fast tune that we have to play tonight or nothing like that. 
I'm just visualizing nailing everything and having a great time. And have you ever, uh, have you ever had the goosebumps sure- hit you as you walk out and you hear you see the audience? Yeah. Does that pump it's, you up? Of course, it's amazing. You know, every time, and I'm the first one to go out every time. You know, because I have to get uh, set up and get my ears in and and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, it's like every time I'll just sit there, and once I'm set up, I'll stand up behind my kit, and I'll, I'll uh, you know, give give the crowd the horns, and then you hear this massive roar come back at you, right? And then it's like, all right, it's go time. Let's do this. You know, let's have some fun. And uh, and that's that's when you get into it, and, and I just get into this zone. And for me, it's I, I'm I'm the type of player who who wants to play everything the same every night. And Devin really appreciated that because he knew no matter what, if if shit was going wrong or something was going different for him or or anyone else in the band, he knew that okay, Ryan's going to play this fill at this time. Ryan's going to keep this beat. Ryan's going to do this. And I took pride with that you know it's like i made sure that i was there for the guys the, the job of a drummer is to lay down the foundation be solid as rock and yeah you can put in some flash here and there but hey man i gotta keep things grooving i gotta keep a, a beat for everyone else to, to put on a, an awesome show right so um it's you kind of feed off the crowd you feed off your visualization that you do before you go on stage and uh, in the end, it just ends up being a great time every time. Even the times I make mistakes, man, I don't give a shit. You know what? It's, it's like I'm, I'm learning as I go. It's like you will learn and never stop learning until the day you die, dude. End of story. It's, it's not a morbid thing. That's just how life is. Think about it. It's like, you know, 150 years ago, there wasn't a plane in the sky. That stuff didn't exist. Mm. And now here we are. 150 years later from that point and people are talking about going to mars you know it's it's, We're it's sick amazing of this place where's somewhere <laughs> where's someone else we can fuck up we need to find that <laughs> well, this, this is it man and the cool thing about that is it's evolution we keep on getting better we keep on learning so you know to, to bring it out into such a grand context like i just described if you bring it down to a singular context into your yourself, you know what? Don't, don't have that burden put upon you, man. Just go with it. Learn, you know, that, that's the best thing you can do is learn something new every day and just add to your life. And you know what it does? It makes your life better, man. And so same thing when I go to drum, you know, it's like when I'm getting ready for a show, I'm just, thinking about having a great time and having a great show. I'm not thinking about screwing up. I'm definitely not thinking about playing the perfect show. I'm I'm thinking about going out there because my intention is to play a perfect show or a great show. You know what I mean? So I I don't need to think about that. I just need to go out there and go, yeah, let's have a great show. have a great time, you know, and do that. And that's, that's what's gotten me through all those shows. That's what's uh, made things so enjoyable for me throughout my career. And, uh, it's why you always see me smiling on stage. It's why I'm, I am the way I am. I was brought up that way through my parents, right? So it, it's awesome. You know, it's a, but that's, that's how I do it. And I'll always do it that way because I'm just looking to, to make the best of any situation. Have you, played, have you played injured? Have you done any shows with like a serious yeah. debilitating yeah. thing? What happened? I had, I've had plantar fasciitis on the bottom of my foot where, the, you know, your, your foot kind of, 
how it has that natural uh, uh, arc in it. Well, when it flattens out, that's what that is. And man, it hurts like a fucking son of a bitch. <laughs> and when you're a drummer, holy shit, hurts yeah, even how- more because you're having to use your feet, right? And so anyways, I played through that. I've had bursitis in both my shoulders before, um, and that really sucked. And uh, I played through that. Um, I, I had a real bad back accident in 1999, and it, it really would be hard to play at times if my back was out. I'd, I'd be on heavy-duty uh, anti-inflammatories called uh, naproxen, 500 milligram, like the most you can get. And it would calm it down. Sometimes it wouldn't even work because my back was so messed up. So, you know, it's like I played through those injuries, but I, I was really smart about it and I didn't overdo it. And I, I, I never made things worse. I probably prolonged my injuries <laughs> by playing through it. But, uh, you know, within the same breath, you know, it's, it's a career. You got you to gotta show up. You got to do those gigs. It's how you get paid, you know? Mm-hmm. That so, 99 injury, was that, was that, was that, is that sort of the way you said that made it sound like a bit of a checkpoint for you on a couple of different uh, levels? It was a huge checkpoint. You know, it was the biggest turn in my entire life when it comes to health. And like, I've, I've always been into working out. I've always been into sports. Like I played tennis, I played hockey, I played soccer or the world you're from now it's like um always ate healthy i was always in great shape and uh then 1999 i was i wasn't a full-time professional musician at that point so i was working a job in construction i was doing stucco and um i was carrying about a 70 pound bucket of mud stucco mud up a 40 foot ladder on a construction site and um i got to the top and the opening in the scaffold was on the left side but I brought the bucket of mud up um, with my right hand. So the right side, you couldn't lift it up onto the, the scaffold because there was a bunch of scaffold in the way. So the smart thing to do would be, you know, go back down the 40 foot ladder, which would take you a minute, switch hands, bring it up with your left hand and then put it onto the scaffold. But nope. You're efficient. You're an efficient worker. Yeah. So I was just like, I'd done it a million times before, not, not with the 70 pound bucket of mud, maybe with the 30 or 40 pound bucket of mud where you get a swing going with your right arm and then you swing it up and over your, your chest and you put it up onto the scaffold, you know? Mm. Yeah. And, uh, anyways, I did that. And when I went to, you know, bring it up, I didn't even get it a few inches uh, you know, I, I barely lifted the thing and I heard a massive pop and I dropped the bucket of mud. Thank God there was no one below me because that thing exploded everywhere. You know, would have killed someone if it landed on their head because 40 feet up in there, 70 pounds coming down, you're dead. Hmm. But yeah, anyways, uh, grabbed onto the ladder, didn't really feel anything at first. Then I stepped down one rung on the ladder there and it's the most excruciating uh, pain I've ever felt to this day just brutal it took me five minutes to get down that ladder something that would take you like you know 20 30 seconds to go down a ladder like that took me like five minutes because every rung and no one can come up like climb up a ladder and carry you down you know it's like you're on your own all they could do was hold the ladder stabilize it for me and just pray that i didn't fall off the ladder which i wouldn't i was strong and you know i was in shape and stuff 
And long story short, when uh, I went to the doctor, they, they said, one of the first things they said, they said, man, the fact that you are in really good shape and you take care of yourself prevented this from being much worse than what it is. And it's bad. <laughs> I'm like, it? holy shit, how, how much worse could it get? But I basically twisted a couple of my vertebrae out of, mm. out of the position from the, the amount, yeah, from the amount of force of twisting my back. And my body with all that 70 pound weight behind it, you know, and it, it was brutal. So, um, you know, it, he told me this is going to take a long time, might take a couple of years to heal, but this was a big turning point in my life and a big lesson that I learned and what had happened the first year is still good with my diet. And even though I could, you know, I was limping all the time, it was really bad. Uh, no sports, no working out, couldn't do any of that. Wasn't allowed to lift over. I wasn't allowed to lift more than five pounds per hand. For so, what the, was the rehab like? Just waiting. Pardon me. What What was your rehabilitation like for that? Were you given specific exercises and things like yeah. that? Physiotherapy, uh, swimming, which is great. You know, for one of the best ways to recover. Tons of physiotherapy. Uh, lots of naproxen. To, to help with the, the swelling and stuff. I did that and was getting some improvement after a year. And then the biggest mistake I made is I threw my diet out the window, had a few more beers, uh, ate a few more junk days. Next thing you know, a couple years later, 45 pounds of fat added onto my 180 pound frame. It, dude, it was like I was unrecognizable. Uh, most people, when they see pictures of them and I post them on my health page, they see pictures of those days. They're like, Oh my God, you look older when you were 35 compared to your, you now, and I'm 45 now. And they're just like, Holy shit. That doesn't even look like you. And you know what? My confidence struggled. My drumming, I was already playing with Devin at that point. My drumming, the worst drumming in my career was during those years. I'd forget things. I'd be gassed after 30 minutes, you know? Um, mental attitude was different. I've always, I was still a positive person and I still did all the positive things that I do, but I struggled more with it, you know, because you, you lose that confidence. You know, I, I could sit there and I could drum three hours, no problem. And you can't get past 30, 40 minutes and you're already gassing. It's a bummer. You know what I mean? And it, it was my fault, hundred percent responsibility. I'm accountable for my decisions. So you know, I had to look at it that way. And I went through that for years. And then finally in, in, um, 2009, I was getting married on May 14th. So in December, 2008, I'm I'm over this. I, I hate being this way. And I had been carrying that way for about four years, four or five years, because it took a few years to gain it all. And then, um, I went to the doctor and I just said, Hey, I, I don't want to be like this anymore. It's not good for my health. I don't feel good. It's mentally aggravated me as well. Um, it's not healthy in many, many ways. What can we do? We did a bunch of tests. He said, you can start light working out again. Your back's definitely stronger, but it took a lot longer because you didn't take care of yourself. And he goes, drink lots of water. And he goes, I'm going to tell you this right now. And he goes, I don't care. What anyone else says, this is the truth. Go to any other doctor, they'll tell you the same thing. Calories in versus calories out. 
all these fucking diets out there that they claim Atkins diet, all this shit. Yeah, you'll rebound. He goes, if you eat healthy, good food, good proteins, good fats, it's good to eat fats, but the healthy fats, you know what I mean? Uh, lots of vegetables. Uh, you know, if, if you're getting your sugar, still keep it down, but, you know, do it through your fruit and you don't need to eat a ton of that, you know, and, and he just said, be smart with it. Get your workout in just like you used to do and you'll start seeing the differences, right? By May 14th, okay, which was basically five months later, I lost 47 pounds. I lost all the weight and I was in incredible shape eating healthy again and ever since that day I've, I've never looked back i've always i main, maintain that i'm actually in probably the best shape of my life right now you know it's That's, like got, you know it's like you got my abs back and you know it's like i'm 45 man it doesn't matter is out there ryan is showing me all 10 of his abs right now since this is a podcast <laughs> the, the definition is unbelievable i can't i can't believe what i'm seeing right <laughs> whoa it's a, it's so a what about it's a tattoo, man. <laughs> <laughs> what about in the band room, though? Like, you, you bring that attitude back into a band room and you go, guys, I'm in the worst place. My, my mind is scattered. Uh, I'm depressed, anxious, and I want to lose weight. Did you, is this something that you brought into the rehearsal room? Because surely you would have been eating differently rehearsal? Or No, you know what? I didn't, I didn't bring it into the rehearsal room or tour. This was my own personal battle. And I don't need to air my, I don't think you should air your dirty laundry. I think if there's, if there's something that needs to be worked on, that's a, a personal thing and an inner battle, you know, that doesn't involve anyone. I, I think you should, uh, tackle that on your own, unless you want that help, then reach out for help. That's important. You should always reach out, you know, but for me, I, there's a lot of pride in it. And I think the reason why I did it all on my own, and I didn't really ask for help is because I'd been there before throughout all my years up until that point, I was in great shape playing sports, you know, everything was great. And then because of the decisions I made, um, you know, I became overweight and, uh, it affected everything. People just think, oh yeah, you know, it's like, oh, you, you don't look good or you're overweight or, oh, where's, where's your six pack now or whatever, man, your health directly influences the way you think, the way you speak, all these different things. And I noticed that right away. Even people would say, oh, you know, you're not as positive as you usually are. You're still positive, but you know, it's like, or your confidence, they'd see the confidence of my drumming going down a little bit, all these different things. It, it played into the rest of my life. So I knew I could get back there. And that's, that's why I took the bull by the horns there, went to my doctor, got back on the program and I killed it in five months, man. The, you know, the, the body language that, that comes with that live as well is something that is something that could be studied, I feel. You know, when you, when you bring your A game to a performance and your whole body lifts up and, yep. and the crowd reacts with, like, this guy's not about to do anything other than impress us and, and that becomes just an immediate understanding. That's sort of a cool thing to carry in your little backpack of uh, your, your toolbox of things to bring to a show as well. That, that's it. You know, it's like when you're having a great show, you're confident and all that, your posture is better when you're sitting down with that drum kit. Uh, the way you play, the, the consistency of how you hit, um, your interaction with the crowd, 
I remember back in 2006, we did a tour with Opeth, Devin Townsend Band, and, and, you know, I was just fighting to get through the set, you know, and my interaction with the crowd wasn't much at all. You know, whereas I started out with Devin in 2002, those first uh, couple tours, even though I, my back injury was fresh at that point, I hadn't gained all the weight at that point, And I was a completely different drummer. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it, it affects you in a lot of different ways and, it, and it's visible. You can see that, you know, if, if you're to video it and document it and watch all those videos all the way up until where I am now, you can see that change visibly. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually just having a little bit of a, a Google image browse in the background. It is sort of, it's it's interesting going back and, and having a look at all the photos of yourself. And I, I was 100 kilos when I was 19, so I, I lost a decent 40 kit. What is a pound? <laughs> I yeah. lost a whole bunch. And... Yeah. Uh, so like a kilo would be a pound and a half, basically. Yeah, that's uh, Come on. What? Come, welcome to the metric system. We've got zeros and we've got tens. <laughs> it's one of those things that's just totally thrown out the window in education in Australia. Just like, pounds. Oh. You know, I was, yeah. So like I was, I, I walk around 82 kilos. You know, so like, yeah, I was about a hundred, hundred uh, kilos as well. Can you explain what that feels like to someone who, you know, you, you meet a lot of guys who've grown up skinny and, and their, their whole mindset of, I want what I can't have is, is very different to say, if you've been a big guy at any point and you go, I want what I'm not. And you saw, I mean, I became keenly aware of, of the, um, the fat underneath my armpits when I was sitting in a car and it would sit against the, uh, the seatbelt. And I would just feel the the roll sitting over the top, and what that was sort of the catalyst for. This feels like it's not me anymore. It feels like an an excess of disappointment. I, I sort of manifested a lot of anxiety and depression within yeah. within something so physical and and uh, obsessive. I got quite obsessive over over this idea. And could could you explain how you know when it's time to, in in a physical sense, how how it's time to go? I I need to make a change physically. Yeah, it was the same thing for me. You know, you get in a car, and for me, it was like the seatbelt that goes across the bottom of your your belly there, or whatever. It disappears, and you're kind of looking down, going, "Really? Are you kidding me?" You know, but you can feel that. And and it's funny you mentioned the seatbelt, but in a different area for you. But for me, that was one thing that I noticed all the time. The obvious thing is looking in the mirror. You know, you, you look in the mirror. Now I know that's a visual thing, but uh, the, the other big thing for me um, was playing drums. You know, I start doing some double bass and my back fat, I could feel it jiggle mm -hmm. as I was doing double bass. And I never had felt that before ever in my life with drumming. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. You know, it is, and, and, the feeling's not good. You know, it's, it's like, for me, it wasn't good because I was so used to being in shape and healthy. And what was my excuse? I had no excuses, man. It's a hundred percent responsibility. It's, it's the decisions that I made that brought me to that point. I can't, I couldn't put the blame on the back injury because you know what, if I kept my diet in check, if I went swimming a little bit more like the doctors were recommended with physiotherapy and all these little things if I would have kept up on all of them, I wouldn't have gained all that weight. 
It's a distraction, know? isn't it? Just, to just if you, if you were mid, mid, uh, mid set, and you had the double kicks going, and you just felt that jiggle, you could miss just that that little bit of um, invasive thought could just make you drop a crash or something like that and spiral you out. And much in line, it did. Like it did, man. It's like I, I remember being on tour and being being like that, and you you'd be aware that sometimes you'd play uh, gigs and and people could see you from the side like on balconies mm-hmm. and you know i'd sit there and I'd be like i could feel that fat jiggling and i'm going oh that's embarrassing you know it's like i would run and it's not like i'm trying to be a gq model or anything but it's just i was so used my entire life to being healthy and fit that it's- it's, I was like, this isn't me. This isn't how I want to portray myself. But I didn't make those decisions to, to get on top of it in those days. You know, it's like, and I could have. It took something like, you know, me getting married and me wanting to look good from my wife and my wedding. And most of all, I wanted, to, I was sick of feeling the way I felt. The number one reason I did it was to feel good again, you know, to get back to where I know. I'm, I feel the best, I'm the healthiest, I'm, and most of all, the most happy. Mm. I, I can't say that I was happy. You know, I, I enjoyed life. I have many great memories during those years that I was overweight, vacations, all the different things, like tons of great memories. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't like it was like a very dark time for, you know, eight years or whatever. But at, within the same breath, um, you know, I, I was able to enjoy things a hell of a lot more the past eight years of my life versus those eight years when I was overweight, you know, just because of the freedom it gives you, you know, it's like, uh, I'll give you a great example. You know, we went to do the retinal circus in London. Mm, great yeah, show. I have seen that one. Yeah. And it's a, it's a Blu-ray. It was the, the first Blu-ray we did. And, um, when we went to go do that show, um, you know, we, we had sound check the day of uh, the show. And so, you know, it's like, let's do a sound check. You know, sound checks on average, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes, you know. Uh, you know how long a sound check was? Want to take a guess? Oh, no. Three hours. Exactly. Ah. It was three hours long. It was the entire show. Devin wanted to go through the entire show. So we played everything. And then... About two, two and a half hours later, I went back out and I did the actual show. So Cramps. within Cramps. within eight, eight and a half hours, I played drums full out for six of six of those eight and a half hours. Full out. And and I killed it. This is I, an I, awesome segue. Shows. This is this is exactly what what I where I wanted to get with this conversation as well. Is yeah. the that 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 concept of you moving your body like that with such coordination and execution, timing, perfection, technique, all the stuff that you know goes into just the most basic fundamentals of drumming. If you're doing this for 60, 70 shows, perhaps a year, maybe more, I'm, I'm not sure what you guys are up to at the moment, but um, you're an athlete in that regard. You, yeah. you, you, but in, in the sense of people... Perhaps don't have that in the in the forethought of you're an athlete slash entertainer. When you're when you're gearing yourself for those sorts of days and those sorts of challenges, I feel like the diet aspect that sits behind a, a tour is something that's massively overlooked in a lot of publications and discussions about how do you feel yourself to do that because it is intense. I, I do ninety minutes and I'm just like guys towel. Need my towel. Yeah. Need my, someone wipe my little face off because I'm feeling a bit precious right now. 
the idea yeah. of a three-hour show and a three-hour sound check is is that next level where I just can't quite conceive that. So, what what did you eat on a day like that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, ener- energy foods to start the morning. You know, I, I love my coffee as well. So, like, I'll get my coffee in in the morning, and uh, I try not to have much caffeine after two p.m. I, I cut myself off and uh, tons and tons and tons of water. I'm, I have to hydrate myself. I have to hydrate myself big time. Yeah. Mm. And um, so I would, I would get into that. Uh, things like bananas, uh, peanuts, like mixed deluxe nuts, obviously uh, non-salted. They, they take a while to break down, but they're an incredible source of fat, good fats for you, and they're great energy. You know, you don't want to overdo it either. You know, it's like it should, you should have about a fistful maximum a day. And that's already a ton of calories right there, right? But um, And then, you know, it's like uh, I'm not vegetarian or vegan or anything, so I'd, I'd always have uh, meats like a chicken breast or maybe I'd have uh, some salmon or, or something like that and a salad, you know, uh, before going on stage, nothing crazy, having no pasta or burgers or anything like that. Cause I got a shred, you know what I mean? And then, um, the other thing too, which I was big on just from working out and stuff is I get healthy protein shakes, you know, and, and I'd, I'd make a protein shake or, or I'd have something like that before going on as well. Uh, you know, I had to be very careful with that three hour show because we were, were playing for an hour and a half and then we had like a small little break and then you got to go out and, and play again the second set. Right. And, uh, man, I had to piss like a racehorse. <laughs> I'll never forget that. But those, those were the types of things that I'd, I'd be eating, you know, and that's what I would eat normally on gig days, you know, lots of water get my coffee in the morning, do all that stuff. Uh, plenty of fluids throughout the day, but, uh, healthy, healthy fruits, lots of vegetables. I haven't mentioned that, but I'd munch on, you know, different peppers, like, uh, red, green, yellow peppers. Uh, you know, no dip. I like And you know, it's like, uh, broccoli, cauliflower, all that stuff. I always would have salads, um, make sure that I'm getting my protein in. Um, our riders were, were always pretty healthy because I requested a lot of stuff on it. And Deb ended up getting into working out. I introduced him to, to that. He always saw me working out on tour and he approached me and he's just like, Hey man, do you, do you think you could show me? I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do this, man. Oh, and I got him into it and he's kept it up ever since, you know, but, uh, it started becoming a band thing. Dave did, uh, crap McGraw and, and all that. And, you know, it's like, yeah, we we're all pretty, uh, healthy band and into exercise the three of us anyways that's and one of mike, and, mike and beef that's a, a different story but even <laughs> mike even mike and then uh started getting into it a little bit too you know but um it was really important for all of us to have a healthy diet before we went on stage every night because our performance would rely on it you know and hey man it's like i'm 45 Age is a fucking number, man. It's like, I do not feel that. Nine times out of ten, and I'm just saying what people say to me. They, they come up to me, and, and they don't know me or know much about me. And, and for some reason, my age gets dropped. They're like, you're 45? <laughs> like, yeah. They're like, you do not look 45. <laughs> it's like, you look like you're in your mid-30s or something. And it's like, I take care of myself. You know, it's like, it's, it's an incredible 
how influential what uh, food is and what you put into your body. Mm. You know, it can just make you look like shit. If you're smoking all the time, you're drinking constantly. Like what I mean by drinking is booze, uh, you know, and you're eating like shit. I'll tell you, man, I did that in my mid thirties and I do not look half as good as I look now. Mm-hmm. And I look older than I look now. So it's, it's a big, big thing, guys. Uh, there's a, there's a rule that I follow the 80, 20 rule. You've heard of it. Yeah. This is a Tim Ferriss one too. It's the 80%, 80% diet, 20% exercise. Mm-hmm. It's all about the food guys, you know? Calories in versus calories out. There's there's all these diets out there. The one thing that's proven, it's it's just a fact, man. It's like if you're sitting there and you're gonna go, oh, like when when uh Devin, for example, this is a funny side story about touring with Devin and, and health and stuff. I was like, hey man, you know, like nuts are a really healthy source of fat. They're a good fat to put in your body, you know, and and it's like, you know. Uh, but I didn't say, you know, but don't have more than like a handful a day. Well, <laughs> he'd go out there and he'd buy like a bag of nuts. Like that's, that's a couple thousand calories right there. And he would fucking eat the whole bag. <laughs> you know? and I remember he started gaining some weight and stuff. He's like, Oh, what the fuck? You know, like, how much are you eating, man? And he's like, Oh, you know, I polish off that bag. I'm like, you're eating a fucking bag of nuts, right? He's like, holy crap. You know, like he didn't do that for very long, but he figured it out. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, there's a prime example. You know, if if you're going to eat a ton of calories of healthy food, you're still going to gain that weight. You know what I mean? It's like, it's going to happen now, granted, you know, veggies and stuff, it's pretty hard to to go over your calorie count per day because they're so filling anyways and they're pretty low calorie, the majority of them. Right. So, um, it's just being smart using the 80, 20 rule, get some sort of exercise in. I go to the gym five days a week. You know, I went to the gym today. I did leg day, the most hated day right. of all, Yeah. you know, but yeah. I, I got my leg day out of the way, you know, and it's like, I, I stick to my diet and you know what? I feel great. Last night I didn't get much sleep at a, a buddy over from, uh, my buddy Dave from Drumio, he he came over and we were just hanging out, had a barbecue and stuff, and had a few beers. You know what I mean? And I stayed up till like two a.m. and then I had to drive my wife to work at eight a.m. So didn't get a ton of sleep, you know. But I feel great. Mm-hmm. I do. Been drinking water all day. Got my workout in. Uh, getting some drumming in after we do this, and uh, you know, like it's it's all attributed to taking care of yourself, to eating right, to getting that exercise in. And to be honest, a good sleeping schedule is, is a very, very smart thing for every single person to do. I always, it's very rare to, for me to have like four or five hours sleep. It's like I make sure that I get my seven to eight hours every night. Do you do that? Do you do like a tracker or something like that to see how well you're sleeping? I tried a Fitbit and it lasted about a month and a half, two months. And I found <laughs> I found I was just like always looking at it, becoming really anal about the whole process. And I, I you know, it's like, I'm, I'm not a perfectionist, but it's like, I, I really like to be on top of things. Right. And I just found that that almost took me more down the road perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And, and when I kind of let it go and I just do what I know works for me and I, you can tell your body responds to you. You know what I mean? It'll tell you what's right, what's wrong. 
when you don't feel good, when you feel good. Um, and I just went back to knowing and, and, you know, basically, uh, corresponding with my body language, you know, it's like, I could tell mm-hmm. and it worked way better for me than a, a Fitbit. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like, I, I just, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's different. And I have lots of friends who've used them and it works wonders for them. It keeps them aligned. So I'm not dissing them by any means. Uh, but yeah, I just found, I, I listen to my body. That's, that's what works the best for me. You know, um, and go do, ahead. Do you track your sort of, um, have you, have you ever tried tracking your calories from a show? Yes. How, how did you go? Oh, from a show? No. Um, I haven't, I've been very interested. I wore a Fitbit once, but they're not even close to accurate. You need to wear the chest strap. Yeah. I'm keen to try that. Actually. I want to do that on the next tour, uh, specifically European tour. Cause I feel like Australian tour, you're just going to sweat it off anyway. Yeah. Right. But I, I saw the Mike Mangini one. Have you seen his, uh, his one that he wore? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I saw that. He, man, his, his was, uh, quite high. I mean, I guess dream theater stuff is bit you know bit bit uh what's a nice bit choppy so yeah it's going to be like this the whole time oh, gotta to get to the next bit well you want to know something it's like um it all depends because there's guys who play in you know speed metal bands and stuff and they're all technique so they're actually not exerting a ton of energy because they're all ankles and fingers and wrists and you know it's like there's not a lot of movement when i play my drums it's like i like to I like to put some extra oomph into it, you know, so I slam. And then I, when I play dynamic, I'm, I'm really dynamic drummer. And I, I think I'm more of a musical drummer than anything, but, uh, you know, when it comes to just slam out some double bass or just lay down a fat groove for, you know, an ass kicking song. Yeah, man, I'm going to put some, some extra showmanship into it. I'm going to put some extra arm and leg into it, even though I know it's all, I know perfect technique and how you should use it. Fuck it, man. I'm putting on a show. <laughs> people, people are coming out to watch us slay, you know? It's like, so I'm going to put on a show. And uh, I, I know that's going to burn a hell of a lot more calories versus a guy who's just going to sit there and, you know, perfect technique, perfect posture, but barely moving kind of thing, right? You are, you sort of, I, I don't know if replace is the right yeah. word, but you sort of followed in uh, Gene Hoagland. Hoagland? Hoagland's. Yeah. Yeah, position on, with Devin. So he's he's sort of on an exercise bandwagon as well. Have you noticed yeah. his his situation changing? It's it's really inspiring, actually. Yeah, man. Of course, how could you not see that if you know Gene Hoagland? I know him. You know, we're friends. It's it's awesome to see him. I'm so happy for him. You know, it's like he's over fifty years old. You know, he's in his early fifties, and you, you can't fuck around with that, man. Look at what happened to Vinnie Paul. You know, like that's fucking horrible. He's one of he's one of my biggest influences. Pantera, man, fuck, best metal band ever, in my opinion. Like I fucking love that band. And to see Vinny go at fifty four years old, that is heartbreaking, man. It's just heartbreaking. And and you know what? It it's obvious that it was health related. Yeah. You know, the, the guy died of a massive heart attack. You know, and you know, and died in his sleep. But you know. Here's the other thing. Everyone who knew Vinny or when you saw him backstage at festivals and I bumped into him tons of times, you know, and he was always having a good time, but you know, that good time was like, you know, drinking. And, uh, I don't know what his diet was, 
But, you know, you see pictures of them at, you know, Sammy Hagar's restaurants or whatever, and there's a burger in front of them, whatever. You know, it's like if he was doing that every single day along with drinking, yeah, man, it's a recipe for, for death. Yeah. It really is. You can but see I'm it, not sort of saying that's what it was, mm. but, you know, a lot of people assume, you know, and it's like I don't want to make assumptions. It's, it, he was too young. That's what I'm getting at. 54 years old, no way, man. Isn't it interesting how... I mean, and, and this is sort of something that I, I feel like we could go on about this stuff for ages, but to sort of respect your time, it'd be, <laughs> it'd be good to, to get you into some drumming ASAP. But the, the one thing that I'm finding is that your role in, in modern progressive music, drumming and the motivational speaking is that you can become a role model for that next generation who could look up, to, you know, say you, you look up to... You look up to someone like Vinnie Paul and, and you look up to his drumming, but the idea of also becoming a role model say to the, the teenagers who are getting into Devon for the first time and seeing a drummer that can that is active, fit, positive and talented and um, rigorous as far as being self uh, self critical in the best possible way for results. That that responsibility for you to become a role model is gonna be fantastic for that next generation coming through. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Um, here's the thing though, I don't I don't even really look at it as being a role model. You know what I want to do? I just want to help people. I, I think this is what I think this world doesn't have enough of is people helping each other. Mm. Everyone's fucking competitive with each other. Everyone's trying to one up the next guy. Do you know that here's an analogy I use in my seminars all the time. You and I, we go on a fishing trip. Okay. It's a week long fishing trip. Every day we're going to go out fishing. You bring one fishing rod. I bring 10 fishing rods, okay? Every single day, you throw that one line in the water with a bobber, I throw all 10 lines in the water with bobbers. Who do you think is gonna catch a fish? More than like- my fish. You're gonna steal all my fish. This is, this is pretty much it. Now, <laughs> replace, that's the analogy I use. That's how you should work in life. You should work hard. Don't work in one direction. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, don't minimize everything to one thing. And because then you're, you're putting your entire life, your career, your health, whatever it is, into one fucking thing. That's the dumbest thing you can do. Okay. So let's take that analogy now and let's replace those fishing rods with people. Well, imagine if you had 10 other people with you to help you achieve greatness and you were helping them achieve greatness. You know how much better it would be? It worked the exact same as you having a way better chance of catching that fish. If you were all helping each other to help each other succeed, it makes the world a way better place to live. Way better place to live. So that's how I look at what I'm doing with my motivational seminars, with my health tips, all these different things. I just put things out there that have worked for me and that I truly know could help other people. And it's not that I want to be a role model. It's just that I want to help other people. And, and if I can help them, you know, achieve some awesome health, uh, health goals, or, or it could be maybe a, a musical goal, a career goal, anything, it doesn't matter what it is, then I'm happy, man. I'm super happy because I've done my part and that's what I set out to do in the first place. Hopefully people who are listening are starting to starting to feel that I should probably do something after listening to this vibe. You, you know, that one you get from podcasts, which is sort of the, the whole point of the thing. I think what would be really great to finish off with 
And I think this could be really great for everyone who's who's made it this far, which is absolutely everybody, of course. Is you've got sort of nine steps um, that that you've that you've regarded to be the the best way to motivate yourself, and or at least to have a procedure as to how best do that. Could you perhaps run through those for someone who might just be on the edge now of making a decision that that could benefit them for the rest of their lives? Sure. Um... First, uh, I'll just give you the, the whole broken down thing of how these came about, okay? At one point, you know, I got uh, all these amazing bucket list things started happening to me. You know, I have this career. I'm getting endorsed by the biggest drum companies in the world. Uh, they're giving me free gear. I got a seven-page interview, feature interview, modern drummer. Every drummer dreams of that. You know, like all these crazy bucket list things happen one after another, after another. And they keep on ha happening, to be honest, playing Royal Albert hall was a dream gig for me playing red rocks amphitheater. I always wanted to play that. I did it. I, I always wanted to play with an orchestra. I thought that'd be cool. Next thing you know, you're with an orchestra. You just can't plan this stuff. It happens, but putting yourself in these positions to succeed um, or what'll help get you there. So what I started doing was I broke down my life. I did it in reverse. I'm like, how did I accomplish this? And I figured out how through these nine steps, it was nine steps that I attribute my success to. And these nine steps, and they're in this specific order is believe in yourself. Dream big is number two. Number three is set goals. Number four is visualize. Number five, which is the most important principle or step of all, work hard, take action. Okay. Number six is be grateful, gratitude. Number seven, a big one, health. Health is so important. We talked about it a lot in this podcast today. Uh, number eight, never quit. And number nine, enjoy the journey. Enjoy every fucking day of your life. You are absolutely crazy if you do not do what you love and love what you do every single day. Just something. And what I mean by that, okay, is enjoying the journey. I, I have a Volkswagen GTI. It's a fun car to drive, man. And I always wanted one. I love my coffee. I like So I'll, in the morning, I'll jump in my car. I'll drive to Starbucks by myself, cranking my favorite music. Today, actually, in the summer, I love listening to Bob Marley and Van Halen because they just remind me of summer. So I was cranking my Van Halen, going there, biggest shit-eating grin on my face. And you know what? Doing something I love, it, it sets up my morning perfectly. I'm in a great mood. I'm loving life. And that's what I mean by that. And so by applying these nine steps over and over and over and, and improving them and letting them evolve and learning from them, and learning from my mistakes that I still make, I always make mistakes, but I learn from them. I've been able to achieve incredible things and I continue to achieve incredible things. So these nine steps, I, I think are the reason that I've gotten to where I am today. You know what I mean? And I wanted to share that with everyone. And if you go for all you guys, listen, you can go to this website. It's, it's called, uh, the address is www.rvp, my initials, rvpmotivation.com. If you go there, you can get 
this nine-step ebook. It's all nine steps, and it's a broken-down book. It's only like a 25-minute read, but it's all the steps and just a quick summary of what they mean and, and how they work. And it's a free ebook. No catches, no nothing. I'm not trying to sell anything. That's all it is. And the, the extra bonus when, when you uh, download the book, because you have to put in your email address, you also get my the four fives. It's a weekly blog I do every Friday. Uh, it comes out, and it's just a very positive message and, and blog about what's happening in my life, the different things I've experienced. Uh, you know, it, it'll have health tips. It'll have, uh, obviously, motivational tips. It'll have everything. But these nine steps, guys, uh, that's what I attribute all my success to. I broke it down. I spent years on it, a couple years, figuring it out before I started doing the motivational thing because it had to be right. You know, I, I don't want to go out there and, and have any filler. You can't have filler with something like this because if people take this seriously and they want to try these steps and attribute it to their lives, um, you know, you, you don't want to be lying or filling people full of shit, you know, to, to go out there, you know, that, that could influence someone the wrong way. And, and like I said, and like I said, every one of my seminars, when you do these nine steps, do it your way. Be a first rate version of yourself, not a second rate version of someone else. Okay. That's a Judy Garland quote. It's perfect. And that's how you should be. Be yourself. Take these steps, use them how you will. Remember, 100% responsibility. The decisions you make today will basically ravel into your life tomorrow. That's, that's what's going to happen. Okay? And you've got to be very aware of all these things. And uh, that's how I came up with those nine steps. I still use them to this very day. I always will. And uh, I've helped a ton of people worldwide through my seminars, through my page, all that. The thousands of people who've downloaded the book. I get emails all the time about it, how much it's helped them. So it's a great feeling, man. Again, you know, it's like, I'm not trying to be like a, a role model. I just want to help people. And when I get those success stories emailed to me, I got a smile from ear to ear every time. Uh, Ryan, thank you so, so very much for your time on your evening slash my morning. Uh, I will be linking everyone to all of Ryan's delicious materials so that you can express some gratitude. And um, I, no doubt I'll probably be seeing you in some strange land somewhere at some point. Yeah, 100%. And thanks for having me, man. I, I love doing stuff like this. And it's a great interview. There's great conversation. It's just, it's great to get this stuff out there. And, uh, you know, I think the last thing I'm going to say is uh, thanks to, to all the people who support what I do. Uh, musically, motivational, speaking-wise, all that stuff. Uh, it's not even possible without them. So I'm beyond grateful for all the support that I get, including yourself. Uh, very grateful for these opportunities and everything. So thank you very much. And uh, I fucking love Australia. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Everyone knows that I talk about it all the time on <laughs> social media, and I can't wait to get back there, guys. So uh, stay I'll healthy. Guys. Right on, man. That's awesome. But uh, thanks, thanks for having me, and stay healthy, guys. Well, I hope you got way too much information out of that and now you just have to share it with everyone. Uh, one thing I did want to say, oh uh, my God, why isn't it recording? Okay, no, it is recording. That's, um, I'm not even going to delete that. I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud that that was my natural reaction. Now, one thing I wanted to say was thank you very much for listening. Uh, I've had some really, really great feedback 
uh, from a lot of people and that's very much surprised me so uh, of those special people I just wanted to say thanks for your very kind and also constructive words there's some some things that I'm taking on board and things that I want to just incorporate into the show I do want to get into some sort of cool gym singlets and stuff like that if that's something you might be interested in just let me know and I'll I'll let you know how it goes uh, I just wanted to say thank you again to all the guests I've had so far on the show. I'm looking forward to all the special ones I've got lined up at the moment. And um, I'm going to get back to work now.